What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Dollar Collapse, your ringside seat for the global economic crisis. To get the full story, go to dollarcollapse.com. Welcome. You are listening to Dollar Collapse, place to go to for the latest on the global financial collapse with John Rabino. Today is February 27th, 2017. So we have a new sponsor. I'm sure you've heard of them. They are amazing. Casper is a sleep brand. They've created a perfect mattress. They sell directly to you, the consumer, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house as a sleek design and is delivered in a small, how-did-they-do-that-sized box. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets. I mean, the quality is just unparalleled. They are incredible. So they're obsessively engineered mattress. It's at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Look, you can try them for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything designed, developed, assembled in the good old U.S. of A. You just go over to Casper, www.caspercasper.com slash dollar. Order one now. You'll save $50, which is quite a good deal. You use the discount code dollar. It's that simple. Go to www.caspercasper.com slash dollar. It's really great so comfortable you're gonna sleep like you've never slept before you're gonna love it promise you that all right so check it out now you got nothing to lose but your bad sleep all right john good morning so lots of great things going on but if you looked at the headlines you would think very little is happening other than a blunder at the wonderful academy awards right morning carrie yeah that had to hurt (laughs) (laughs) and it couldn't happen a nicer lesser educated people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you can get a lot of things wrong at the Oscars, but the best picture award, that's the thing you don't want to mess up. And that's, that's the thing they did mess up. So somebody is in big trouble there because somebody Uh, gave the wrong uh, envelope to the people who were supposed to read it. And I I don't think we'll ever find out who it is. And, and you know what, that shouldn't be made public. The poor, you know, think how bad that guy feels right now. And uh, I think it was the Russians, reason. John. I really believe it was the Russians. They hacked the Academy Awards. <laughs> and and this is what you get, right? Yeah. Treason. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, God. Well, in, in general, like you said, it, it, this should be a really eventful time from the point of view, from our point of view, you know, finance and economics and stuff. But nothing was really happening out there in the markets. Everything is kind of frozen in place. You know, stocks are at all time high, but they're just sitting there. And gold is is um, 
up lately, but not rocketing, you know, not, not really bouncing around all that much. Um, and same thing with bonds. So you've kind of got the risk on trade and the risk off trade in balance. In other words, money's flowing into pretty much everything. You know, nothing is plunging, uh, nothing is rocketing either, but everything is pretty firm. And I think the reason for that is that nobody knows what's going to happen next. Uh, you know, we might have this gigantic crisis, which we, we should based on all the numbers, you know, the, the amount of death has been taken on, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and it, what, what you and I have been talking about all this time. But you've got Trump getting ready to announce a budget and there's speculation that it's going to include big tax cuts and deregulation and increased spending on some things that Wall Street likes. So money managers aren't sure whether that's a good enough thing to offset the uh, the horrible debt numbers that are out there. You know, the amount of leverage that's in the system that is terrifyingly high. So everybody's kind of frozen in place. Now, this kind of a dam will break one way or the other because it has to eventually. And my, my guess is that eventually it breaks to the, the risk offside, that mm. it becomes obvious to everybody that no matter what you, you've got coming out of Washington right now, stocks can't really go up much from here when they're above um, levels at which previous crashes occurred. There was a, a stat that Zero Hedge published a while ago uh, about the amount of time the average American has to work to buy the average stock. Right. And, you know, that, that's a measure of, of stock prices in relation to the earnings of the average person. And it's now at levels that are higher than 2000 or than 1999, which is the all time high in the past. Um, and every time it's been anywhere near this number, it, stocks have crashed because they've gotten too expensive for people to buy. And so people stop buying them. Right. So I, I think there's a good chance that this happens again in the not too distant future, just because when things get this expensive, they have to turn around. Now, the uh, the counter argument to that is that, well, um, if Trump cuts corporate taxes, that means corporate earnings are going to go up. And if central banks start buying equities, which some of them are and, and some of the other ones are going to start pretty soon, that'll push up equities. And so maybe we're in this brave new world of public money flowing into private asset markets and just elevating them forever. Uh, that would be a catastrophe. Is everyone's today prices to currencies? Then we'd finally get that dollar collapse that uh, you've got coming out of Washington been talking about for a decade now. But I think that is the way it'll go, that eventually the fiat currencies of the world become the um, the epicenter of the serious global crisis that finally takes down the system in its current form. When that'll be is anybody's guess. This has just gone on for such a long time that it's become obvious that you can't predict timing with any kind of certainty because governments are doing so many unprecedented things with basically unlimited amounts of money. You know, you put a, a printing press in the hands of a central bank and by implication in the hands of, um, you know, elected officials and their appointed bureaucrats. And obviously they're going to abuse that power. But lately they've been abusing it in ways that's just astounding, you know, really unprecedented, pushing interest rates down to negative territory. And in the case of the Japanese National Bank and the Swiss, Na Swiss National Bank, buying equities really aggressively, you know, the, the Swiss bank and the Japanese bank are essentially gigantic hedge funds now, you know, they're leading the risk on trade and leveraging themselves to the hilt to buy risky assets with basically taxpayer money. Um, 
there's a lot of speculation that the U.S. Fed and the European Central Bank will be forced to do the same thing in the next bear market because they won't have anything else they can do. They've already bought up all the bonds. Uh, they've already pushed interest rates down to, um, in, in some cases, below zero. You know, the German two-year bond now is yielding something like negative 0.6%. So you buy that and hold it and your capital shrinks year after year after year. Um, which means the um, the global economy shrinks year after year after year if we're on an inter a negative interest rate regime. So this stuff is unsustainable. But since they've been able to sustain it for a surprisingly long time, it's hard to know when they lose the ability to sustain it. But I, I do think that a currency crisis is out there um, when people finally realize that the things governments are doing to elevate asset prices require them to create so much new currency that the currency itself isn't trustworthy anymore and people start bailing on it and and then you get a crisis in which nobody wants to hold the currency which causes interest rates to spike because governments have to borrow a lot of money at higher and higher rates because nobody wants to buy the bonds and you know it just goes on like that currencies crash interest rates spike the system breaks down that's out there somewhere and you don't want to be on the wrong side of that when it happens, but there's no way to know when it happens. So you don't know how to make the transition. Should you do it all at once? Should you completely get out of uh, government bonds and into real assets today? Or should you do it a little at a time over the next five years? And that's the big intellectual challenge because it's impossible to say with any kind of certainty which strategy in terms of timing is the right one. You know, it's eventually going to be the right one, but do you do it all at once or do you do it a little, a little at a time? And I don't have an answer for that. You know, I'm, I'm doing it over time, but emotionally I want to do it all at once. I want to just get it over with completely bail on stocks and completely load up on gold and silver and then just sit. But I don't know whether now is the right time to do that or not. It might be, but it might not be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, timing is always a bitch as they say. Uh, but everything in life is timing, and that's the thing. Uh, I find it's kind of like I have a really bad sense of direction. So if I'm trying to figure out whether to go right or left, the first thing I look for is cues. So, um, like, for instance, if I'm in a town, like older towns, so and it's by the water, then I know that the town developed from the water, probably where I'm looking for, if it's in the main part of town it's probably going to be by the water so you look for cues and so what cues can we look for john because these things don't happen in a vacuum there's usually warning it doesn't just happen just like these crashes when they occurred i mean in 2008 2007 you saw what was happening with real estate and the really smart people uh, were actually able to place bets on it but even the people who weren't that smart sold their houses and got into cash and got into other things that enabled them to ride out the storm and actually turn a profit on it. So what, what are the cues here, John? Well, that's the thing, Carrie. The, the government, by creating all this new currency and buying assets almost indiscriminately, is short-circuiting the signals that used to be meaningful. For instance, margin debt. You know, that's people borrowing, borrowing against stocks to buy more stocks. Um, usually when it hits a certain level, a crash occurs because people have basically just borrowed all they can borrow to buy all the stocks they can buy and there's nobody left to buy so stocks go down. Well, we've been at that level, you know, the level that usually presages a crash since 2014 and it's gone up since it hit that level in 2014. And so that signal 
doesn't mean anything right now. You know, it means that eventually there will be a crash, but it doesn't mean anything in terms of timing. And you can look at um, all of the major timing signals of past stock markets, the things that told us when it was time to bail, and they've all hit the time to bail level and kept on going. So it's not clear what we can look at to let us know that now is the time to get out of stocks and into real assets or into cash or whatever. Mm. Um, But I I also think that just because something is way out of whack doesn't mean it can be way out of whack forever. You know, Mm. unsustainable means that eventually it ends. And what's happening now is completely unsustainable. So it's Mm. possible that we'll see sectors of the economy roll over and turn into mini crises. And that we'll have the the government saying, oh, it's well contained, like they said with subprime mortgages in in 2007, and they'll be wrong. And then those things will, at least in retrospect, be the signals that we should have heeded. You know, the the car industry in the U.S., for instance, um, has been just firing on all cylinders for the last few years. You know, the car sales are at record levels and the the number of car loans being taken out uh, is at a record level and the amount of money that's being lent to subprime borrowers in that sector is at a record level and now it's starting to roll over car sales are, are plateauing and and subprime auto loans are starting to go bad at an accelerating rate so that's the kind of thing that we might look at in retrospect with a couple of years of hindsight and say, oh, yeah, we, sh- we should have paid attention when that happened. <laughs> but right now it's not obvious that that is a signal of broader trouble in the global financial system. But if two or three things like that happen, for instance, an Italian banking crisis coupled with the uh, the collapse of the subprime auto lending market in the U.S. and maybe some student loan default spikes, you know, put all that together. And, and then you've got the the conditions in which you could see a broader financial crisis. I would say so. you could throw in there too some uh, a subprime, a spike in subprime auto loan defaults. They're going up. Yeah. But they're not yeah. like from the surface cause for major concern, but they're definitely going up, John, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, in, in your neck of the woods, Kerry, um, condo building in South Florida. Oh, you saw what had- was happening, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are an insane number of condos coming on the market, especially in the Miami market. Yeah. It's an um, OMG and, moment, and the, I would say. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's a year and a half or two years of supply in a Easy. lot of different parts of South Miami. Florida for yeah. high-end condos coming on the market. Now, they won't sell um, quickly enough to allow a lot of these developers to get their money back out. So we'll see some defaults there. And maybe that's the beginning too. You know, you, you toss that into the mix. None of these things that we're talking about are big enough in and of themselves to cause the overall system to roll over. But you, you know, throw four or five of them out there. So there's always something bad in the headlines and you'll change the mindset of traders and investors and probably generate a lot of risk off trading which would, you know, at at current price levels cause potentially a pretty big, pretty sharp drop in certainly in stock prices, possibly in bond prices, possibly in high end real estate prices. So you you get one or those two things going. And then we're so financially fragile that 
we won't be able to handle it. And by we, I mean the global financial system. Um, and you'll see crises bubbling up everywhere. All of a sudden, we'll start looking for trouble and we'll find it out there. You know, right right now, nobody's paying attention to uh, the Italian banking system or to France's government finances or to Japan's government finances or to China's bursting credit bubble. But once there's a reason to start looking for stuff like that, we will find it everywhere. And then it'll be very easy to become extremely pessimistic. And the tone of the financial markets will change on a dime. But again, <laughs> who knows when, you know, it could be 2017 very easily, could be 2020. There's no way to know. But something like that is definitely coming because we've we've basically screwed the system up to the point where a happy ending is an absolute impossibility. Uh, we are not going to get out of this without extreme pain for somebody. And so now the question becomes, who is going to be hurt by this? Mm -hmm. Will it be the um, the 1% who sees the assets that have made them even richer over the last decade just tank? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of billionaires becoming uh, only multimillionaires, you know? And, and so we'll see all these sob stories about these guys who had to sell their copper mines and yeah. And to make ends meet because their hotel chains stop generating cash, stuff like that, you know, and, and uh, or mm -hmm. will it be factories closing and, um, and and banks closing and throwing a lot of people out of work? And so, it, you know, regular people end up being hurt by this. Yeah. Or a combination thereof. You know, usually the one uh, percent comes through these crises in pretty good shape with the help of the government. And everybody else gets screwed. And, and it wouldn't be a surprise if that happened again, just because that's the past pattern. But again, you know, the, the, the specifics of the coming crisis are always impossible to predict ahead of time. And the timing is always impossible to predict. Although when you look back on it five years later, it, it's obvious. Oh, yeah, we should have done this then. And look how much money we would have made. Um, so now we're right back in that intellectual challenge where we have to figure out how to time this just right to make the absolute maximum amount of money so that we can look back. Um, our future selves can look back at our current selves and say, wow, they, they did it just right. They were so smart, you know, and that, that's what everybody wants who's in financial markets. We want to uh, look brilliant in retrospect. And right now it's not clear how to do that, though. No, it's not. Well, that's what we have to look forward to. And you know it's coming. It's one of those things. It's like uh, death and taxes. Unfortunately, taxes, you know, are coming April 15th. Death, well, it's kind of like death. <laughs> you know, it's out there lurking and you just uh, don't know exactly when it's going to happen. And uh, that's the bad thing, right? Yes. Yes. So I guess we have to leave it at that, but uh, it's certainly coming sooner rather than later. And that we know. So check out John's work over at dollarcollapse.com. Check out us at Financial Survival Network. Any questions, comments, or need for information, write us an email, kl at kerrylutz.com, kl at kerrylutz.com. And uh, Twitter feed is at kerrylutz. Uh, and the Facebook page is Financial Survival Network. And we will pick up where we left off next Monday. John, we'll talk to you then. Thanks, Kerry. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Dollar Collapse. For regular info and updates throughout the day, go to dollarcollapse.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.